right, all right. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and listening today. Uh, today, I'm talking to Sam Breeley. He is a marketing consultant based in the UK, a chartered marketer, and fellow comms before strategy skeptic. Sam, how are you doing? Thank you very much for having me on. I'm good, thank you. Uh, last night I was out having a little too much fun, so I'm a bit tired this morning, but I'm feeling ready to go, so it's all good. All good, yeah, you made it roughly on time, so appreciate the effort. I, I know everybody listening can probably empathize, work early just before Christmas. But um, to get into some of the questions now, that what I'd like to chat about today is media planning for small to medium-sized businesses. A lot of people are thinking probably, you know, mainly around Facebook ads, Google ads, that type of thing. But I'd love to chat more broadly about all the different types of media available and, and some of the things that people need to think about. But the first question I had was, what would you say is the point at which you learned that media planning was super important? You know, what was the aha moment for you that made you think, gosh, I really got to look more at this? I think... The main thing that made me realize that media planning was very important was the realization that a lot of projects and a lot of companies I'd worked with, whether I was employed or otherwise working as a as a consultant, there was a lot of plans that had a budget attached to them. And the comms themselves were were more or less just flavor of the month. It wasn't necessarily built on anything data-driven or anything, you know, research-driven or market-driven, I should say. It was just kind of a, well, this is what people do in our industry. This is what we've done before. So we're just going to keep doing that, like a rolling plan or, you know, oh, well, my friend does this and he says this works. So, you know, that's what we're going to do. That's not to crap on anyone who who takes those approaches. You know, it is about being sensible and reasonable. And sometimes you can take a leaf out of other people's books, but it just it just stank a bit to me. Well, I just thought, well, hang on a minute this this doesn't really seem like a plan. It just kind of seems like a like a shotgun approach, which is right. We've got two thousand pounds a month to spend. We're just going to stick it all on Facebook and Google Ads because we know someone who can do that, rather than saying, well. Do you know for sure that your customers are, you know, using Google ads? Do you know for sure that they're on Facebook? Are there not other places that they might be that you might want to target them with your, with your media that might actually work better short or longer term? So there was lots of questions I had that made me realize that media planning is, is very important. Got it. What would you say are some of the key key signals that a media plan has gone wrong and also the key signs that the media planning has gone well you know what are some of the benefits to look out for here i think again speaking from experience a bad media plan is one where there's kind of just a a random percentage of revenue sometimes revenue projections sometimes prior years revenue and it's just kind of assigned to the marketing budget and marketing budget often in a lot of smaller companies is just the media budget so they get given x amount and then someone just kind of puts in a gantt chart of different comms that they think will will do the job what i don't see is the legwork done before that and you don't have to be super complicated with your marketing you don't have to go really deep into research and strategy and all of those things if you don't have the time sometimes there are time pressures but what you should at least try to do is have an idea of you know your own marketing funnel you know what what is the story for your customer where do they start and where do they end up you know how do they get to you 
And by understanding that that picture broadly, you can start to create a a media plan that's a lot more effective, one that is is more reflective of that actual customer, rather than just assuming that everyone is digital and that everyone is going to use digital. Now, digital is great and it's good at, at, at getting those instant results. That's especially important for cash flow. And for smaller business, you know, the the waiting in terms of immediate gratification versus longer term business building, you know, it's going to be weighted towards that cash flow, which is we need the sales in now. But that doesn't mean that you can't do things within your media budget and your media plan that will help your business grow longer term as well. And the, and what I mean by that is if you just turn off Facebook ads, then, you know, that that's going to dry up straight away because you, you're not visible right there for people to 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 click on and, and, you know, make inquiries or buy a product or service. So you turn that off and the, the water stops running from the tap straight away. But let's say you're, you're doing some PR for your business and you've been running PR for six months and locally you're getting more known for what you do. You're getting a better reputation. If you stop doing PR for three months, you're not going to see a knock-on effect until a lot later down the line. So that's that's an example of making sure that your media plan is trying to trying to balance both of those things so those those short-term results but also thinking about the softer metrics that your brand needs which is you know building a good reputation being known within the marketplace people having a good perception of you as a business which i think is 100 percent possible with uh with smaller businesses as well there's a lot of people that say you can't do that if you're a small business but i disagree from my own experience it's it's completely possible to do that so really a good media plan for a small business is more or less the same in terms of a big business media plan in that it's kind of got to tick all the boxes. It's just the weighting of the size of those boxes that you have to determine based on the the context of your own business situation at the time. So the two main benefits that, as I understand it, are basically that uh, you'll be more effective because you're you're reflective of the actual the actual market, but also you have that that balance between that short-term cash flow and that long-term longevity short-term cash flow and long-term longevity it's probably not the best way to put it but uh, i think i'm going to roll with that so what would you say are some of the best practices for working out where exactly to place media so in terms of placing media again this goes back to that that research stuff and again i am not someone who thinks you need to spend tens of thousands of pounds or dollars to to understand who your customers are you know a lot of businesses don't pick up the phone to customers so they don't really understand who their customers are they might have an idea of the immediate business problem they're trying to solve but they don't know much about their customers in terms of broadly speaking who are they as people you know who are the decision makers within the business if it's a b2b thing you know it's all that kind of stuff it's that 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 stuff that comes before your business enters the picture the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, which is where Byron Sharp works, How Brands Grows His Book. If anyone knows that, great. If you don't, basically, they have a, a model called uh, category entry points. I hate jargon. Basically, all that means is trying to understand the different places in terms of where a customer is in, in their journey. So, you know, where are they when they buy or inquire? Who are they with? Why are they doing it? Do they buy other things with that product or service? 
And all of that is really helpful to understand. It's it's one of those things where you're either trying to put yourself in the shoes of your customer based on, you know, your experience with them day to day, or if you can actually afford to get some research work done, you can work that out as well. And by doing that, you then go, well, I know that my customers, they work in schools. They often make meetings. uh, They often make decisions in meetings with senior management teams. So these are the people involved in that decision making process. Who do they get recommendations from? I have an idea of, you know, the kinds of people that they talk to to get advice in terms of what service providers to use or what products to go for. And by understanding that, that's when you can say, right, well, then I need to place media that's that's appropriate. So if you've got, let's say, a piece of software, lots of people will say, well, if it's software, ergo, people must go on Google. They must be online all the time. They must be searching for the stuff. And I'm sure they are. However, it turns out this customer that uses your software is, you know, on average, 55 years plus. The senior management team in, an, in education might be a college, might be a university. And they often make decisions jointly in team meetings And they actually go to conferences each year and they go to trade shows as well. Is your business at these trade shows? Is your business at these conferences? Maybe you could get a speaking slot at one of these education conferences. What it is, is making sure that the media reflects, again, where the customer is. The media isn't just about the cost of the media. It's about the effectiveness of the media. And that's making sure that you are wherever the customer is when they're near making that that decision whether it's initial inquiry, whether it's the decision to actually purchase or whether it's the decision to actually just look into what the problem is that they face in the first place. So what we're looking at here is making sure that you've done the legwork as best you can on the customer research to understand their their journey and what their habits are, who they are specifically, or in an example, who they might be. Would you say, or how would you say, the placement or the the types of media that you're looking to use change based on different objectives. So for example, if you're looking for a a brand awareness objective versus a, um, you know, sales activation and a conversion objective, how does the media choice change then? Okay. So if you're looking at doing something that's sales activation, so let's say you're an SMB, you've just started up and you really need to get cash flow, you're going to want to put your money at the place where the customer has already made a decision that they know they have a problem and they're looking at options, essentially. That's why it's good to use things like Google Ads because those are people who are actively in market. So the media should basically reflect that that point that the customer is at. If you're trying to grow the business longer term and you're trying to improve things like profitability and price sensitivity and you're trying to reduce that and, and make it easier to push up your prices, that's where you need to do that that broader scale mass reach stuff. So in essence, what you need to do there is say, right, well, that's the softer stuff. That's the, you know, in in the case of a small business, it doesn't necessarily have to be advertising as such i I like to say media is anything that's really communication so that's why i use the example of you know speaking at a conference you know but you might have to pay to do that and it's a soft thing you might go to a conference you might do a speech there it goes down well but actually you don't get any work straight away but what you've done is you've made a good impression and again things like pr corporate social responsibility programs if you have a local community and you get involved with it you know are you telling people that you do that all of these things are things that small businesses should do to to get awareness and get attention because if you think about it locally there might be five businesses that do 
you know, the same thing that you do. And you want to be the one that people think of first when they eventually think about the problem that they have. So right now, they might not think that they need accounting services. They might not think they need any software solution for that. But they know that there's five companies locally, and they know that one of them has a really good reputation. I know the guys who work there. I see them at events. We say hello. I see their ads. I see their columns in local business magazines or you know online magazines and things like that, softer stuff. And that gives that person that that reputational awareness already. So they're aware of you. So And they've kind of built a familiarity with you to a degree, even though they're not a customer yet. And what it does is you're just making it easier for them to make that that decision later on when they're ready to actually look into your services. Because at any given time, most people are not in the market to buy your product. So what you want to do is you want to prime the market so that that customer will become a customer in the future. So I suppose once you've done the research, you can see where people are, what they're doing, and that, in a sense, can give you the menu of options to say, hey, look, I know they go to conferences. I know they read these magazines. This tends to be the places they go to look for services like ours. So when they're going to look for services like ours, that may be a short-term media placement, something that we can use for sales activation. But if we're looking for branding, we might put it in, for example, the magazine or brand awareness, sorry. We may put it in the magazine. Does Am I understanding what, what you said correctly? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess using an individual person as an example, what you want is, let's say you've got someone who's a potential customer. They're not in the market at the minute, but they will be later on. They just don't know that. But they're in the market broadly. So, you know, they need to know about your business. So they might see you, like you say, at a conference. That might be how they're introduced to you. They might see you in a, you know, again, an article in the news, they might see something positive about your business. Again, you're not selling to them right now. But what you're doing is you're still selling the brand, you're still selling the business, you're saying, hello, we exist. That's, that's part of the problem that you need to solve. So that individual then goes, okay, well, I'm aware of this. Oh, actually, I do have some issues with this. We've got some issues with our accounting software, it doesn't feed feed well into our CRM, we've got an issue here how do we solve this problem? Maybe you're a startup that solves that data connector issue. Maybe that's what you specifically do. So this guy goes to a conference and then he meets one of your reps there that he talks to the rep. He thinks, oh, well, this sounds pretty good, actually. You know, he gives his details to the rep. Then he sent a, you know, a piece of direct mail that's customized to him after that discussion. Something like that is 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 really powerful, especially if it's if it's personalized in that regard. And then, you know, there's that that reach out sequence where you have your reps or, you know, it could be an email sequence, something like that. And then you could also have Google ads running as well. So if he's not sure and he's searching hmm, other different options, he'll still see you come up in those in those options that he's looking for. And then eventually, hopefully he'll go, actually, you know what, I'm going to go with them because that whole that whole experience has been relatively consistent. However, if you take that same guy and you just do the end bit, which is Google ads, there's no prior knowledge there. He doesn't know who you are. He's got no feelings about you one way or the other. In terms of setting the budgets for these types of activities, how, you mentioned before that you've experienced some arbitrary percentages. What would you say is, is a, good, a good approach to setting a media budget? So if you have existing information about how much it, it costs to get a lead or a customer, Roughly, again, it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to have perfect information, but but rough is fine. If you have an idea of the cost, then you can work it out from there. And then you can put together a zero-based budget, which is starting from zero, and then 
putting together a plan that is built on that to then justify a, a, a spend that's appropriate to the business's objective. And really any media spend or media plan is part of the marketing plan, which should be part of the business plan. It's something that says, right, well, this is where we want to go as a business. We want to make X amount of revenue this year. Ergo, how many customers do we need this year? How how much does it cost to get a customer? Well, if it costs this much to get a customer, we can extrapolate from that to actually build that marketing plan and build that media plan and actually actually fund it properly. And if you can't afford it, that's a bit of a reality check for the business itself. The business then has to go, well, we're not going to be able to meet our business objective because we we literally don't have the money to assign to that. So doing it that way is the best way to do it. Some businesses will just say, you know, are oh, we just assign 5% of our turnover to marketing? But the problem with that is it's 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 arbitrary. There's no reasoning behind it. There's no justification behind it. It's just a kind of a a random number pulled out and a lot of people a lot of marketers particularly or people in advertising or creative they get worried that you know finance is going to turn around and and have a go at them or something when the reality is if you actually take the time to work with finance people that that are on the team and you're honest with them and you're humble often they will want you to to create a plan that has a budget that's assigned to it and, and makes sense even if it's not completely accurate or spot on or or you know, completely justified. As long as it's kind of 60% there, that's often better because otherwise they will just say, right, well, percentage of turnover, here you go. That's for your 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 team, your department, your your spend. That's it. And that's all I'm giving you. So part of setting good budgets is 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 actually doing it properly. So zero basing it the, and, and actually justifying the money that you need based on, you know, knowledge that you should have about how much it costs to get a customer. If you don't have that knowledge because you've just started out, then that's something you need to be aware of. You need to figure that out. And then you can start planning longer term following year or whenever you feel like you're ready. But the other thing, which is really important, is to make sure you build those solid relationships with people that are on the finance team or, you know, that that person that manages that that budget. Have those conversations and they'll help you do it as well which is which is great and that's that's always been my experience it's always been received well it's never been received as me stepping on finances toes it's been received as you actually care about how we spend the money in the business so i'm more than happy to sit here and work with work with you to do this properly right so say it was a um, a local business service you know say it was accounting as an example an accounting firm they know they want to increase by say another hundred customers next year. Say they have a hundred now. Okay. So they know it costs us a thousand to get in a corporate account. We need another hundred. So we have approximately a hundred thousand extra that we need to spend in order to meet that target. Is that what you mean by zero-based budgeting? Exactly. Yeah. Because you have an idea of the, the, how much the previous customer cost and you're just extrapolating from that. And again, it's not perfect. Some customers will be cheaper, some will be more expensive, but at least then you have a kind of realistic internal benchmark to say, well, roughly it costs this much to get customers. So if we need a hundred more customers, it's probably going to cost us around this. Yeah. What do you say to the people whose, whose hands start to move very quickly to signing up for a Google and Facebook ad saying, oh, well, I've got a thousand dollars to spend on LinkedIn and Google and Facebook ads, balancing it with with other, uh, you know, we talked before about the long and the short term objectives. Have you have you seen that a lot in practice where people see that type of, you know, customer acquisition target cost uh, and then just rush to put it all into short term initiatives? Uh, yeah, I have seen it. I, 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 sadly, I have. 
usually I'm the one that's called in when that stuff stops working. And then people go, well, we've done everything right by the playbook, but our costs are going up. We're getting less customers and each customer is getting progressively more expensive. This was great for two or three years. What the hell is happening now? And it's basically just because they've reached that saturation point, which is they, they've, you know, pulled all the fruit off of the tree, but they've not watered the tree, you know, to quote Mark Rickson. And that's what they then need to do. The problem is, okay, well, you've, you've, you've done that. That's where you've got. So reduce your spend to the point where it's ROI, you know, neutral. And any budget above that needs to be assigned to different media. It needs to be broader media, not just, um, again, online. But again, this can happen also with, you know, quote unquote, traditional media as well. You know, some companies will have the same issues with direct mail. And and for them, it might be actually moving into digital. It's not it's not a, a jab at digital. It's more a jab at where you put your media and budget in terms of where the customer is. And if you just put it all down at the bottom, which is when a customer is actively searching for a product or solution, you, you're setting yourself up for long longer term issues. In terms of setting uh, budgets and timelines, is there a time frame that you recommend people really shoot for? So, for example do you find in practice that it's best to really work to a month to month? I don't imagine it would be, but you know, for example, months to month versus 12 months. Is there any time frame that you, you keep in mind here? Generally, I would try and advise a business to, to, to create a media plan. That's a 12 month plan. But if they think that that's too long based on, you know, maybe the maturity of the business, which is they've only been going for a year, then I would say six months is, is about right. Anything less than that. And you start to, end up with results that are skewed towards that that short term which is just cash flow and there are lots of metrics and things that are important to a business that you won't see those changes in in that that short time period so again using things like profitability and price sensitivity as examples those are slow changing things and if you want to improve the profitability and and charge your products more but maintain the same level of demand that's that's a slow churn that's a slow thing to do it's like going to the gym it needs to be regular. You won't see results instantly. So I will always advise people, if possible, to do six months minimum. But if they can do longer, if they can do a whole year plan, then that's great. And also it helps in terms of, you know, budgeting and making sure that the, you know, tactics and buying and everything is is there. It's all sorted out and you're not running around like a like a headless chicken trying to chase, you know, the new TikTok or or something like that. I feel like if you can plan stuff longer term broadly, it gives you a lot more structure to what you're doing speaking from experience i wish i could highlight that last point where it's um it does help the marketing team have a bit more stability there and that your your activities are more or less planned for the year uh, and there's a lot more focus on execution rather than each month considering hey should we jump into trying this particular tactic or reinvesting over here or something like this Interesting that you mentioned you need at least six months to get to get anywhere. Otherwise, you will be perhaps misled by some of the shorter term initiatives. What would you recommend for measuring, you know, metrics to use, techniques to use to measure the effectiveness of your of your brand awareness objectives versus a more conversion objective? So, in terms of the 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 brand awareness. Again, awareness is one of those things that's, that, that a lot of people poo on because it does, again, it just sounds, it, awareness sounds crap, doesn't it? It's, oh, raise awareness. It sounds rubbish. <laughs> it doesn't sound very financial. But really what you're doing is 
is you're securing future cash flows, which is that you're building a pipeline of customers that will drip into that that funnel, regardless of whether you're spending stuff because you've 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 been building that you know you've been working out essentially that strength is there for the brand so you should see it through the incremental effects in the business which is you know comparing periods so are you getting more customers is the customer acquisition cost reducing are you able to increase prices but maintain demand those are the kinds of things you want to be looking at it's not just about roi or about those those you know division metrics essentially it's saying right well what are the important metrics to the business? And again, it does depend on business goals. And that's why this stuff needs to be to be planned properly because a business might not actually care about profitability right now, but they still want to build longer term. So you go, okay, well, if profitability isn't, isn't the issue here and you're happy with the margin, what's the goal longer term? And if they say, well, we want more customers, then you want to then build metrics that reflect that. And my view is that metrics and measurement, it's something that should be built as part of the planning process. It's not something that's done as a reflective exercise. It's something that's done actively as you're trying to build a plan, which is right. Well, this is what the business wants to achieve. So we need to build a set of metrics and measurements that feed into that, that allow us to understand that this activity has an influence on this activity, which had an influence on this outcome and so on and so forth. And it doesn't need to be complicated in a lot of instances. You can just have a handful of metrics and having fewer is better as well, because then you have some continuity there. Because if you keep changing the metrics that you use, you lack continuity and you're not able to reflect on it in in future periods, which again is an issue that I have seen with a lot of businesses, which is they've got a black hole of information. They don't have massive databases or they do, but it's all short-term stuff and they can't extrapolate anything from that. They can't learn anything from it. So by having metrics and measurement as part of that, that planning process, and actively making sure what you're doing is is feeding upwards, you know, to to cash and profitability or whatever those business goals may be, you know, by doing that, again, it doesn't have to be completely spot on accurate. And, and I will keep reiterating that point. Lots of people get caught up in this, which is, you know, oh, to be data driven means to be data perfect. The The result, you know, the reality is that even Google's own research has shown that gender targeting is often off by 50%. You know, if if they can't even get that right, then, you know, don't feel so bad if your numbers are a bit wonky. The point is to to create a picture that looks realistic and and is reflective rather than a picture that is completely accurate. You know, it's it's yes, you may have this really cool digital funnel thing in your software that tracks your sales perfectly down this pipeline, blah, blah, blah. But what about the stuff that comes before that? And how does that tie into the business objectives that's the question you really need to ask that's how you get funding that's how you get trust what you're pointing out here is that the the metrics is really a an exercise or an element that you work out way back in the objective stage where you're going okay well we know that we have a problem that nobody knows us in the market so the way we're going to measure that is a b and c and we we want to activate this many new customers in the next year so our metrics are going to be x y and z and then when you come over to the media planning then that's how you're evaluating the media that you've you've bought or that you plan to buy as a these were the two objectives we had we got a b and c and x y and z that's how we're going to measure it is that right absolutely yeah that's exactly what you should do got it in terms of consolidating all this thinking and information into a into a document that you can share with your team and get everybody on the same page 
what's your personal preference here? Do you go Word doc as an example, or what do you use to to communicate this? I like to keep these things simple and and just have them on on docs. And then in terms of the actual media plan itself, just keep it simple and use a Gantt chart. And because at least then you've got the timeline, you can associate, you know, you can put budgets on that as well. You know, that it doesn't need to be complicated. And I, again, I'm a big believer that you should try and keep these things as simple as possible because a lot of these small businesses I work with, you know, they're people with staff that are not particularly tech savvy. They're not people in their 20s. And some of them are tech companies as well. I think that's another thing, which is people even in tech assume more cosmopolitan cities. So London, they assume that other people in tech will be really young, you know, entrepreneurial. But, you know, where I live in in the East Midlands, there are tech companies that are founded and run by people in their 50s and 60s. And whilst they're very good at what they do in terms of the engineering, they they still have a, issues in terms of understanding other technologies. So they default to using, for example, you know, Microsoft Suite. You know, they don't want to touch Google Drive. They don't want to touch any of those things. So you want to keep these things simple because you never know who's going to need to look at it. So don't use, you know, complex software to put these things together. Just use out of the box stuff. That's often all, all you need. And again, go for simplicity. You know, it's like, a, I think it was Winston Churchill who said, I wanted to write you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. And I think that's, that's a really good point to make, which is spend the time making it shorter, make it simple, use simple language. Again, I hate jargon, you know, and, and the reason I hate jargon is because marketers shouldn't have to sit there and explain what they do in complex terms to people because it just puts people off it just makes us look like charlatans and like fraudsters because we're just trying to bedazzle people with big language what we should do is try and keep it simple try and keep it common sense and then everyone buys into it because everyone goes ah well i would have thought of that and that's really where you want to be you want everyone else to think that they kind of made that decision themselves that's a good place to be and getting that buy-in is not about dictating to people it's about understanding how you need to communicate to them and bringing them into that and making sure that they can uh, fully understand what you're what you're trying to achieve and to be honest like i said before if it's if this media plan is obviously tied to the business objectives then you know you've got a pretty good chance of it being approved because it shows that you've done your due diligence speaking of simplicity when it comes to channel selection or, or media selection do you have any thoughts around whether it is better to choose you know, focus on a few core things, especially if you're a small business and and you don't have the operational capacity to focus on as hyperbole, 20 things at once, or, you know, do you suggest people look at more, more is better as much as you can? I would say uh, less is, is better. Um, and, and this kind of, this is where it blurs into just general marketing really, which is good, a good marketing plan, especially for a small business should look at the business from the point of view as right you've got lots of issues of course you do that's that's reality of life but what's the big issue and what's the one that we can solve easiest let's focus on that and let's just get it solved because again as you say operational operational considerations mean that you have to bear that in mind which is the resourcing from you know a personnel point of view so who have you got that you can actually use how much time those people have which is something a lot of people don't seem to factor in with new initiatives and again i've seen that before people trying to roll out crms to teams of five that are already under a lot of pressure it's not going to happen it doesn't matter how good you think that idea is it doesn't matter how much money you think that's going to make if it's not possible to do it it's not going to happen so that's something that needs to be considered as well going to put you in a in an interesting position here so I, i'd i'd be interested to see how you would handle this as a case study so 
Imagine, for example, I, I put you in the media planning seat for a, a cooking school that handles people both in their local city, but also regionally who, who are willing to travel in. They've noticed that they have a big problem around potential prospective students uh, of their cooking class don't really know about them as an option. But at the same time, they obviously need students coming in the door right away uh, to fund their cash flow needs for the next year. How would you then go about creating a 12-month media plan for this type of business? Okay, so my first question would be, who are these customers? What do they look like? What kind of people are they? I want to know who they are. I'd also want to know, the in terms of this cooking school, I'd want to know what the product portfolio is. So is it just the one course? Is it just the one product? Or are there multiple products or you know courses available? If so, again, what's the customer makeup of each of those? There might be differences. If there aren't differences that makes the job easier because you go, well, actually everyone's kind of the same. Cool. Great. If there are little differences, then essentially what you've got there by default is different segments. Then you have to go, right. Okay. Well, which one's more, more profitable. So we think this one's more profitable based on prior experience. So what we'll do is over the next 12 months is we will focus our media plan on getting more of those people onto that course. And we'll use broad reach media to, to get to those people. So let's say at this cooking school, they've got like a elite course, and it's the most expensive one. But most of the people taking that course are people who are semi-retired or retired. And it's just kind of a, a hobby thing. And, you know, generationally speaking, a lot of the older generation do have more money to do these kinds of things. Then you might have the, you know, lower end products, which is predominantly younger people getting into cooking. Maybe there's a career plan or something. So they obviously will go for the for the for the lower cost course generally speaking that might be how it is this is me just coming up with presumptions about what it might be but this would obviously have to be answered by the client themselves they would have to tell you this information but your job as a a marketer or if you're doing the media plan should be to ask these questions so you get an idea of that yeah that makes sense so then once you've got that you can go right okay so we know which groups are more profitable so it's that older generation so we'll focus there so over the next 12 months we'll put more money there but also we will maintain the activity that we've done over the previous 12 months where it has been working. What you're not going to do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. You're not looking to change everything. You're looking to to look at what is working now and what isn't working and where the gaps are. And then that would basically be my plan, which is a right. Okay, so that's the most profitable segment. That's a, a, a segment of the market that is steady. It's It's been consistent. It's not a new one. We've always had more older people taking that 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 segment, but maybe most of the media we've been doing has been digital. Maybe it's just been running Facebook ads and Google ads because, again, we're a really small business. We're a young team, and that's kind of just where we've spent the money because that's where people have advised us to spend the money. So what you do is you go, okay, well, that's great, but now we need to get a media plan that's reflective of that that segment market we're going for, which is the over 55s. So you would say, right, well, what else do they do? Okay, well, they listen to the radio, they watch more television. You know, maybe if it's in the US, you can use um, regional TV stations to to get cheap TV ads out there that can that can target that that segment specifically. You can use stuff in newspapers. You know, you can do PR locally. You know, positive stories about the business. Again, you could do you know speaking events. You could go into other places that kind of have a similar things that might be like a you know not necessarily a a conference but it might be like a local event you know there might be like a community event maybe you could have a stand there or something that that shows that you run these courses so there's lots of different options it's just about being creative and understanding that 
that customer group that you want to reach and then trying to be creative in terms of how you actually reach that customer in a way that will work for them. Got it. Fantastic. Yeah, that was a very practical on-the-spot exercise. I appreciate the uh, the creativity that you had to uh, to use there to make a lot of assumptions. <laughs> but no, that sounds that sounds great. I think it helps tie together a lot of the different pieces that we talked about. And I would assume that based on what you mentioned earlier, you you may be working from a, a zero-based budget as well to set the uh, the spend for the next twelve months. Would that be right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So obviously I didn't say that, but that is something you would want to do, which is you say, right, well, this is the segment that is most attractive. It's those over 55s. How much does it cost for us to get one of those customers? And then you can base that that media plan off of that for that for that segment of the market. Second last question just before we go. Are you seeing any trends in the space overall when it comes to media selection by businesses that you work with? Yes. So the biggest trend is moving away from a reliance on third party data and just digital data in general. Now, we all know that a lot of that is drying up because of privacy issues, but also there's always been issues with the accuracy of that data anyway. And I won't go into a a massive exploration of this topic, but recently this year, I wrote a, I think it was a 20 page research paper with a friend of mine called Michael Taylor and it was all about how one advert is that's that's good is suitable for all segments you don't need to be hyper targeted and have lots of micro segments and we backed this up fully with evidence and also the theory and our own practical experience as as marketers and he actually used to run an agency that focused on you know that bottom of the funnel stuff so that 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 quick win sales activation stuff that's that's that was his space so some people will turn around and say well you would say that if you're a brand marketer but he he's the opposite of that but he was also a business owner as well so that was a really good joint paper that we worked on and i'm sure you can you know put that in the footnotes for this for this podcast but um it was it was published in wark in the world advertising research center and also I put it on my my Substack as well as a as a full piece, so I'm sure you can link people to that. Because otherwise, I'll be sitting here and just talking about that topic for for 30 minutes. But that's the main one, which is the the absence of of, of that private data that people used to rely on for targeting. But the reality is that data was never as good as it seemed. That's 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 the uh, that's the gist of that. So there is a trend anyway for people to move to more traditional methods of of media or marketing or however you want to call it which is people going well you know my google ads are really expensive now so screw it i'm just going to try direct mail and i have seen a lot of that which is quite interesting it's a lot of people basically going back to what people were doing 10 years ago or before which is actually a good thing so it's like unintended consequences but actually they're 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 good uh good consequences it's a good thing yeah, super interesting. I think a lot of people, you know, that I that I work with and and know have been saying they've seen a lot of the digital channels drop off in terms of effectiveness and ROI, and they're considering what other options there are out there. For those who want to learn more about you, what you do, and and get in touch, where should they go? So, if you want to find more about me, you can join me on LinkedIn. Samuel Breeley, and I am on Twitter, but I don't use it as much as I used to. I think the tide has turned a little bit on uh, on Twitter, which is a shame, but I am on there. And also there's my website, which is samuelbreeley.co.uk. Fantastic. All right, Sam, thank you so much for today. Brilliant. Thank you ever so much for having me. 